Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael and we are here today for faculty meeting episode 143, The Meta Game. As we continue our series of looking back to go forward, this is going to be a revisit of Dungeon Talk episode 4. Joining me today for this faculty meeting, uh, as always, now is Tom. Tom, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. Yeah, I'm back. I'm here to stay. I guess people kind of figured that after, like, what, two, three years now, so. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, Tom, just in case anyone is new here, drop them your social so they can come yell at you about your wrong opinions of D&D. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you those digits. All right, so, uh, now you can follow me at Tom on Twitter. That's Mandalorian Metal Tom on Twitter. Yeah, talk a little bit about RPGs, comic books, I mean... That's 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 everything, you know. That's right. So and then also on our Discord, also definitely, if you would like to join our Discord and interact with us there, uh, let us know and we can get you those links. Yeah, that is absolutely my favorite way to communicate with people right now. Yeah. I'm loving the Discord stuff. Yeah. Uh, and again, my name is Michael. I'm at the RPG Academy. Everything I do can be found there, except for Farm to Fable, which is my Smallville rewatch fan cast. Uh, which I'm having a lot of fun with. And then you can email us at the show at the RPGacademy at gmail.com with any comments, questions, or concerns you have. So before we dive into the episode, we want to take a quick second to remind everyone why we are here. So the goal for these faculty meetings is that at some part of this conversation Tom and I are about to have, there'll be something, some little nugget of wisdom that you can pull out and apply at your table to make your games more fun. But we understand that the opinions we share and the advice we give may not work at every table every time, but there is one piece of advice that we feel is pretty universal. And Tom, what is that one piece of advice? If you're having fun, you're doing it right. That is correct, sir. So no matter what game you're playing, the system or edition, what rules you use, don't use, or misuse, as long as you and everyone at your table is having a good time, you're doing it right. So with that out of the way, let's jump into our RPG news. What you got for me, Tom? Okay, so the big one is the latest Kickstarter. Uh, it, there's the, the big Kickstarter, which is Into the Motherlands. Okay, this is a, a lot of people know that Into the Motherlands, it's a really big stream that is done by Tanya DePass. And uh, it is a stream that was started last year to really highlight uh, people of color and these amazing creators. And then it, they decided to go ahead and create a Kickstarter for it for the the world that they're playing in but what i want to talk it's obviously it's huge it's doing great numbers super popular and it's got a fantastic team good art everything you know it's got it's got it all but one of the things that is interesting which is a, a trend that i'm seeing is that this kickstarter they don't explicitly say which rule set they're going to be using so right now the stream is cortex but uh, they say that they're still kind of deciding what they want to use, whether that is a licensing issue with Cortex or they just haven't settled on it. But I want to bring this up because uh, a lot of games recently have been going like setting first. Like this is this is the setting and this is the world that you'll be playing in. And then rules are kind of uh, secondary and they're not an afterthought, but they, there's a real focus on setting. And I want to get your thoughts on that. Like, is that something that are you into? Like when you go to back something, are you like setting or it's like, oh, I need to know the rules and what it is? Honestly, it kind of depends on why I'm looking at backing that particular project. You know, again, I know we've had this conversation on Discord a little bit about, you know, there are certain games that come out and they're built on the 5e engine because 5e is the most popular game right now and mm-hmm. it's a way to just bring in people who are interested but not it's not always very thematically fitting with the, the setting 
So I think from a purist standpoint, I think setting should come first and that the rule set should be either chosen or developed to match thematically with the setting, not just the one that has the most eyeballs. But as someone who is hoping to launch a Kickstarter soon, you got to get them eyeballs on your project if you want to be successful. So I can't really blame anybody for doing it the other way around. Yeah, so I'm definitely in the the similar boat as you. Like, I'm very upfront that I back Kickstarters based on covers. Like, I love seeing a, if it's got a cool cover, I'm probably going to back it. And then also setting. So, and then I, I look, I like rules. I do. I enjoy watching them interact. And, and I like interacting with the rules and seeing how they make the world feel more real. But uh, for me, honestly, just personally, I like setting. I think this is going to just be a trend that we're going to start seeing as more people really push setting over rules first. So wanted to bring that up. And if you want to, you should just go check out Into Other Lands if you're interested in something like that. The next big piece of news is Gen Con. So it's a, we're going to be, there'll probably be a piece of Gen Con news every episode leading up to Gen Con because it's everywhere. But the big news here is Asmodee and Pathfinder have pulled out of physical events. So Asmodee is, that's huge. Pathfinder's huge. Yeah, that's so. basically like the biggest board game uh, vendor and uh, partner and the largest RPG vendor partner. Because even though D&D is technically larger than Pathfinder in the gaming space right now, they are not so at Gen Con. Gen Con and Pathfinder have been th- just the you know two great tastes that taste great together yeah. for a while. Uh, D&D kind of has pulled out. They have they have more of their focus, I think, on like Gary Con uh, and there's some other things. So yeah, so that's huge for those spaces. Yeah, I mean, Asmodee, I mean, they cover a, I mean, a lot of people just know Asmodee, but you don't realize that. I mean, they have Mayfair, they have, uh, which is, I mean, all the big Euro games, they have Fantasy Flight, and they have so many other brands underneath of them. And all that means that Fantasy Flight won't be there. So you're not going to, you're not going to have any of their stuff. And then same thing, like you were saying, Pathfinder, D&D has kind of gone away from actual uh organized play with 5e um it's still there but it's not they don't they don't really put a whole lot of time or effort into and it not whereas, at gen con especially like they do yeah. still, like winter fantasy is huge for D organized play but gen con they just i think they've just decided that it's not worth the fight and the money and the expense so they just don't try to it's like a turf war and they're like okay this is your turf we're just we're yeah. gonna build our turf somewhere else yeah, so I'm curious to see what this will do. For obviously, attendance is going to be down because they're limiting it, but maybe this will help relieve some of that pressure because I don't think you're really going to see the Pathfinder folks going if the major draw there is the organized play. So I'm curious to see because we at a Catacon, we usually have some Pathfinder uh, organized play. So I'm curious to see if this is coming down from on above and saying to all of their different um, lodges, like, hey, no organized play anywhere or if that'll open up and we'll be able to have organized pathfinder at a catacon yeah i actually probably should look into that because i haven't yet i just sort of assumed that if we had it they would show up but that may not be the case yeah because i do know that in cincinnati at least because i'm in the i don't play pathfinder but i'm in the cincinnati pathfinder group because i still talk with a lot of them here in town and uh they are still not right now not doing any in-store events even though some stores have started to open that up pathfinder group in Cincinnati said nope we're just going to keep on doing online stuff for the time being hmm. interesting uh my own personal gen con news i did buy a badge okay for gen con i'm still not sure i'm going but i wanted to make sure that that was an option i had i also applied for a press badge 
I I have no idea if I'm going to qualify this year. I'm again, I'm frankly surprised that they've ever given me one for the size of our outlet, but they have. And since there are, you know, so few people are going comparatively, I don't know that means I will qualify this year or I may be, there may be half the press people are going to show up. So I might be in the same bucket again. It's just a smaller bucket, but you know, a relative size may be the same. So that still may get one. But if I don't, I've already bought a badge. If they give me a press badge, I can get refunded or just convert it to a system credit. So the next thing would be housing. Cause usually when I go to Gen Con, uh, we have the hookup from a VIG. So we get basically a stress-free room that's a, in a connected hotel. And there's like nine of us pile in there. So it's really cheap. I don't have any of that. And I don't think right now, I don't think anybody from my regular group is going. So if I go, I'll be going either solo, which means I have to get my own hotel room or I have to find someone to bunk with. And I'm also further away because like, you know, when I'm in Cincinnati, I'm like two hours. So realistically, I could just drive in every day if I really wanted to just, you know, don't do anything before 10 or 11 and, you know, leave around nine or 10 at night. Uh, I don't have that option now because it's like a five hour drive. So I'm going to have to get a hotel. So if you're listening and you want a room with me and you're going to Gen Con, <laughs> hit me up because uh, I, I'm fully vaccinated. I, I will only room with someone who's fully vaccinated or or people's, but uh, I might be looking to beg a room off somebody. Or so I'll sleep on the floor in a. I'll literally sleep in a corner of a room. You heard it here. Uh, all right. So uh, yeah. With that said, you got any Action Twelve Cinema updates this week? Well, actually, I, I apologize. I have one other thing I just wanted to oh, mention. Okay. Because we have been getting a lot of requests lately for show and tell episodes. There's just so many projects coming out, and we we try to support where we can. Currently, Tom is the the host of those, so I get the emails and I forward them to him, and then he tries to go through them and reply as he can, but he gets busy as well. So we've created a separate email for show and tell, but it also would count for any of our commissioned episodes. So it's show and tell, all spelled out, dot rpga at gmail.com. So if anyone listening would like to reach out to us to do a show and tell episode, or a commissioned actual play or trial for a project you're working on, please use that email. Tom and I both have access to it, so that hopefully between us it'll be less likely to get lost, more likely to get a response, even if that response is, sorry, we can't do it right now. And just as, again, another reminder, you can commission episodes. That basically means you pay us, and that, that moves your show and tell to the top of the list, and it means that we will make sure that it gets out timely as tied to whatever project you're working on. But we also do show and tells that we do not charge for, for various reasons, including relationships we already have with those creators, or if it's something we are just super excited about. But even if you pay us, we're not going to do it unless we at least like your project. So we're not going to like promote something we don't actually believe in. It's just a way to get your stuff moved up so you get it out when you want it to. So again, if you're interested in any commissioned episodes, please email showandtell, all spelled out, dot rpga at gmail.com. Absolutely. So with that out of the way, Action 12 Cinema update. So yesterday was big for me. Okay. I was out on my daily walk. I've been walking just about every day again. The weather's nice. I haven't, which it's actually bad because my trees are dying. I, I transplanted some trees and it hasn't been raining and I'm trying to water them, but I think they're both dead. Anyway, so I'm out walking and I just had a, an epiphany because I just recently did an IRL play test. I mentioned that on Twitter. There's a local couple now that I've moved down here. We're, we're trying to make some friends that they're kind of quote-unquote gamers turns out that doesn't mean role players but they were up for a, an experience so they came over yeah. we played this game with my wife who doesn't role play with my sister-in-law who doesn't role play with these two gamers who don't role play and we had a really good time 
Nice. Absolutely. Everyone really thought it was fun. Even my wife who doesn't get into that stuff, she thought it was fun. But there were a few places where when I'm dealing with people who don't really understand role-playing games, there were some like speed bumps, things that I just kind of took for granted that when you're talking to role-players, like shorthand, you can just sort of like, you know, this is like this, but not like that. But when someone has no point of reference, you have to start from nowhere. And it wasn't bad, but it was just like noticeable. So I've been thinking about it for the last couple of days. Yesterday on my walk, had an epiphany. It absolutely helped marry the theme and the mechanics together, kind of like we talked about earlier with the Motherlands um, and just in general Kickstarters. It's a way I think it's going to make them tie together. Doesn't really change the game that much, but the small changes are very thematically uh, important. And I just, I'm super excited and then Tracy, who is currently running his own Kickstarter, which is like, it's 600% funded. It's like way over goal. It's going great. So, so happy for them. So I reached out and said, hey, have you had a chance to like look at the draft I sent you? Because if you haven't, that's great. Because I actually want to take it back from you and I want to do my own revisions first. And they're like, yeah, actually, you know, I've been kind of busy, so I haven't. So I took my my draft back from Tracy. I'm going to do a rewrite over vacation, which I'm leaving for next week, uh, incorporate all these changes and these new ideas I have. And then that way, when I give it back to Tracy, it's actually going to be not necessarily better written, but it's going to be closer to what I think will be the actual finished product. Because my, my fear was that they would already be halfway through revisions. And I'm like, well, all that work you've done is now pointless because I've made so many changes that we have to start over anyway. Uh, and since I'm paying them for this, that would have been bad for me and for them. Uh, so I'm actually very excited about it. So I actually was working on it some this morning. I'm really excited again. I haven't, my excitement hasn't waned, but it's That's actually, good. it's actually at a higher place right now than it's been for a while. Cause I, I think I've actually got maybe over a small hump of the imposter syndrome that I've been dealing okay. with because I feel like this is actually a game. Like I, I've had enough people I've, I've showed it to that no one has said this isn't a game. And it's always been my fear is that someone will be like, well, this isn't really a game. Like, I don't know what you think this is, but it's not, it's like an activity, but it's not a game. I think it's a game and I think it's fun and yeah. I'm excited about it. So I can't wait to get to a better place further along and, you know, I'm already starting to think about the Kickstarter, honestly. So, I don't know. Okay. Super cool. We will continue to keep our listeners updated on that as we, as you head to the to that home stretch. Ooh. Cool. To, yep. It's pretty cool. Cool. All right. So, let's take a quick minute, and we're going to check in with our DMs Guild Spotlight Grant. Grant, what do you have for us this week? Hey, all. Grant's here with another DMs Guild Spotlight, and I want to tell you about a collection of really cool and extremely thematic subclasses and magic items that you can find on the DMs Guild uh, for 5e Dungeons & Dragons. This is Never Not DMs Compendium Volume 1 by Ben of Never Not DM. This is a three-product bundle for $3.99, or you could buy each a collection of subclasses and magic items for $195. Now, I bought and paid for this, so my money is where my mouth is on this. First up is the Children of Shadow, which includes a subclass for the path, or for a barbarian, a fighter, and cleric. Now, these are themed as if they were from the Shadowfell, uh, but you could easily fit them into a Ravenloft campaign or anything with kind of a dark, uh, shadowy uh, theme. Uh, First up is what you can find in this uh, bundle is the Path of the Damned Barbarian, which is a cursed barbarian who can curse foes to do more damage and frighten them 
and even at later levels, fly with demonic wings, which is pretty cool. Uh, there's a Shadow Knight fighter and a Shadow Domain cleric, which is like a melee-based cleric with flavorful spells that can literally flip between shadows and strike with advantage with their channel divinity ability. And they can melee attack from distance using shadows, which is really, really cool. Next up is the Children of, Stor- of the Storm. Uh, subclass collection, which includes a Circle of Storms Druid, Way of the Storms Monk, and an Oath of Storms Paladin, which is like a freedom-loving paladin, which has a very cool spell list, and the ability to control winds. They can use their channel divinity to gain them a flying speed, or create difficult terrain using their aura. Finally is Shaboom, one incendiary subclass and 20 explosive items. The subclass in this one is a Grenadier Artificer, which has a neat spell list and the ability to build a grenade launcher, which is not necessarily fitting for all campaigns, uh, but is uh, if you're running like an Eberron campaign, pretty cool. This product also contains about 20 magic items, which are all very centered around the theme of explosions and ammunitions. Uh, which is pretty neat. So they will be able to help archers, artificers, and those who like to make things go boom, make things go boom. So it has this product, this bundle, has pretty cool and evocative art by a couple of different artists in a kind of cartoon style. The layout of the products is very well done, very readable. Who is this product for? It's for players... In pretty much any setting, the Children of Shadow, especially with the new Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft coming out, uh, would fit really well into that if you want to kind of have characters that embrace the darkness. So I, as a DM and player, got to play uh, three of these subclasses, the Path of the Damned, Barbarian, the Shadow Domain Cleric, and the Oath of Storms Paladin uh, within my group and myself. And based on those three classes and me reading over uh, the rest of them as a with a DM's critical eye, I give them a my seal of approval for use in games because they are balanced well and the flavor is solid. Perhaps what I like best about this product is that it is only volume one by Never Not DM, and I'm excited to see what this author on the DMs Guild puts out in the future. So links to the product will be available in the show notes, and this is Grant for the RPG Academy with DMs Guild Spotlight. If you have products on the Guild that you think I should know about, message or tweet me at the underscore Foxblade on Twitter. Cool. Thank you very much for that. I super appreciate you doing that for us, Grant. And then just a reminder, anyone listening, if you want to check out any of the products that Grant has mentioned on this or previous episodes, there will be links in the show notes. It includes our affiliate link to either DMs Guild or, or DriveThruRPG. So if you buy any of their products with our link, we get a small percentage of what you pay uh, for sending you there. It really helps support our show as well as the creators that Grant is spotlighting. All right, so with all of that out of the way, let's actually dig into the meat of the episode, the meta game, where we take a look back at Dungeon Talk episode four. Tom, take it away. Yeah, this was a really interesting episode of Dungeon Talk. I, so 
from a historical perspective, I have no idea what I'm getting into when I go back and listen to these old episodes because there was like this period. Okay, so the the phase of the RPG Academy, like if I can, Michael, I'm going to simplify this a lot, but this is me like talking about the different eras. So you had this very early era, and honestly, it's a way different show than we are now. All right, and then you kind of had, I would say, you and Caleb. That was kind of like the the heyday when things really took off okay and now we're in this this modern era okay uh with yourself and me and so the but these early episodes they're wild i'm learning all sorts of new stuff so this particular dungeon talk episode was called a new name okay i'm titling our this faculty meeting a meta the meta game because of one of your all's topics but so a new name one of the first topics you all talked about you talked about a lot of things all right but just so i have a little bit more background information and our listeners get a little bit of history here okay very confused because you all used to be called a D academy but before that there was dice monkey do you remember any of this yes i remember all of this and okay. this is also currently rel- uh, relative because just like two weeks ago I found there were two different Twitter accounts, podcasts, Twitch streams that were going by RPG Academy. Okay. So Evan and I searched for names for our podcast to be for weeks. We spent weeks and weeks trying to find a cool name. And we would find a cool name and then we do a search and we find out, nope, that's already taken. Do a, do a search, find a, you know, find a name, do a search, find out it's taken. And it, it, we started off, we would do a Google search for like the website name and we would do a search for like the social media feeds. But because we kept getting stuck and finding like everything we thought was cool someone else had taken, we were trying to get through it faster and faster. So at some point we got to the point where we stopped doing like a general Google search and we were just doing website searches. And at some point, one of us came up with the idea of dice monkeys. And I don't know if it was me and I don't know if it was him. And so we did a website search for DiceMonkeys.com. Turns out there was no website called DiceMonkeys.com. So we're like, fantastic. We've got it. Nailed it down. This is who we're going to be. We built the website. We bought the domain. Put everything together. Started posting episodes. And then between episode two and three or three and four, someone said, hey, you know there's a thing called Dice Monkey, right? This guy's been blogging about role-playing games for like eight years already under the name Dice Monkey. Like, what the hell's wrong with you? It was completely innocent. Like, we just, you know, we got kind of lazy because we were getting frustrated. It was completely accidental. And so I reached out. The guy actually reached out to me, and I'm like, I'm, it, was, it was completely innocent. I'm sorry. We will change our name. And he even said, well, you know, I for a while was working on this thing called like the XP Academy or something or EXP Academy, whatever the case may be. And he, it was almost like his idea, his suggestion that maybe we should do like an Academy thing. Turned out D and D Academy wasn't taken. And so we jumped on that. And so we became D and D Academy, which I think is a much better name than Dice Monkeys anyway. Yeah. Partially in relation to this. And it was Mark Meredith who I've, actually had on the show not too long ago for a trial of Marvel Heroic. He seems to be a super nice guy. And then, so I find out there's these two different groups that were using RPG Academy. And I start freaking out. I'm like, oh, this is so frustrating. What am I going to do? I'm, I'm angry about it. And it 
turns out both of them, very similar, was a mistake, yep. didn't know. Both of them have agreed to change their names. So it turned out to be no biggie, but yeah, it was uh, it was a whole thing for a while. And if you listen, I'm sure you can, I remember Evan was like, we're not changing her name. Like he was like, he didn't want to change it. And I'm like, no, we're going to change it because that's the right thing to do. Uh, yeah, he was ready to, he was ready to go. He was going to throw down for Dice Monkeys. Yep. What was so funny was... Ural's reasoning for Dice Monkeys was hilarious. Why you settled on this name. It was obviously because it was open, but you and Evan both agreed that Dice, because of RPGs, but then you both are like, monkeys are funny. So that's <laughs> that was your logic. And it was just like, this is incredible. So, uh, listeners, there's a little bit of deep history. Deep, into, deep history, yes. Into the RPG Academy. And I'm sure that as we go through it, I'm going to learn all sorts of crazy stuff. So... The next topic, which we're just, we, we're going to skip over this one, but I just want to bring it up. You all talked about the whole idea of how to handle in-game rewards. Because Evan wants, Evan wanted loot, and I never gave loot. And he, he, was just, so, he kept trying to subliminally encourage me to give them more stuff. Yeah, and I think one of the things that we want to do these rehashes so we can find out how Michael has changed. And surprise, surprise, Michael still doesn't give loot. All right, maybe he gives a little more. But in Shadow Spawns right now, all three characters have a magic item, and they're all actually pretty powerful. Okay, yeah, that is one thing we definitely... Okay, there you go, give him some magic items. Michael, like, gives him a few, maybe really powerful magic items, and then I am the complete opposite, and I give so many magic items that people throw them away, all right? So, uh, with that out of the way, this is the this is the conversation that you all really dove into, though, and I wanted to talk about this, because this is super interesting, because I've actually never heard of this or considered this. You all had a conversation about what would it look like to play a tabletop RPG, specifically, you talked about Dungeons and Dragons, where everyone plays themselves. The context here was you all were having a, you and Evan really wanted to do this mm -hmm. with your group. And the other people weren't really on board there. So take it away, Michael. Talk a little bit. Like, what is, what, it, what was this? So, I, again, I'm trying to remember. This is something I have done before. So this was Back in college, pre-Evan, pre-podcast, you know, 30 years ago, whatever, maybe 25 years ago. And I really enjoyed the idea of the, you know, just like the old Dungeons & Dragons cartoon, if you're familiar with that. But in that, in that case, the Dungeon Master gave each of these characters abilities. So they actually became like the acrobat and the thief and the wizard and the barbarian, paladin, ranger. When I did it in college... We were literally ourselves playing D&D. &D. We get sucked into a D&D &D world. So we only had on us what we physically had on us. So like if you weren't wearing your shoes, then you didn't have shoes. Um, I wasn't wearing my glasses at the time. I Back at the time before I had Lasix, I couldn't barely see. I had terrible vision. So I went into this world without having sight. So we knew of our world we knew of you know modern technology again back in the 90s early 2000s whatever but we were now in a you know fantasy world and the idea was how do you get home basically it was the dungeons and dragons cartoon minus the special powers i remember that i was like the only player that tried to role play at all the aspect of oh my god we are now in this world what about my family you know i was dating my now wife at the time and i remember in the game i'm like how you know i don't how do i get back to valerie and everyone else was like, cool, we're in the magic world. I'm going to worship this deity and become a cleric. And I'm like, you're, dude, like, you're a Christian. Like, what, did you really just, like, throw away the, that ideology to get bad? Like, I was trying to bring, like, the reality. And everyone else was like, dude, it's just, it's a game. Just go with it. 
And they were probably right. But for me, the fun was the role play aspect of, you know, what do I deal with here? Yeah, because at what point are you, you're not really playing yourself then. So the whole idea kind of goes out the door. Almost. Yeah, you're playing a stranger in a strange land, not yourself in D&D world. Uh, yeah. So it's something, because again, I've said before, I like playing low powered games. I like starting off as NPCs at zero level. And that's kind of the equivalent. You know, if I got transported to D&D world right now, I would die. There's no way I would survive unless it may be because I walk so much. I might be able, might be able mm. to outrun something and just not really like outrun speed, but just distance. Like if I could just get in front of it, I can keep walking for a very long time. But other than that, like I'm, I'm so weak. I'm frail. I'm old. I have bad hips, you know, bad knees. I have kidney stones. I'm, I'm death waiting to happen. But I do like the idea of taking players, maybe like a short two or three shot, not a campaign, but I don't know, maybe fair for fun, and putting us in a D&D world and trying to find a way to make it make sense where maybe the process of going into the magical world does change you a little bit. Can, kind of like the D&D cartoon where maybe I am an actual wizard because magic, right? And someone else is maybe stronger in this world. Maybe it's a Superman thing. Maybe in this world, a average person is super muscular compared to the to the natives i don't know but i think it'd be fun to play that the we're all here we have to stick together how do we get home story i think it'd be fun yeah the it was one of the things you all talked about was definitely how do you do how do you do skills then all right this is interesting because do you like you were saying you're uh, you can walk a lot all right and you maybe you maybe you like spec out you like max into charisma okay or something like that and you're just all part but then what do you do about all the other stuff like how do you have a balanced party how would you how would you handle skills like let's say that you your players they they decide to do this and you want to play yourself starting at level one and obviously you, you either do a you either picks up uh, do skill numbers or you do dice pools or whatever but how would you have your players spec into themselves that's the part where I think you it's either tricky. you either have to just say we're going to play this as realistic as possible, and you're not really going to have very many applicable skills, but we will change the rules so that you can learn them, which isn't really a thing in Five E necessarily. There's a little bit of like downtime stuff, but we're going to say you don't start off knowing survival, but if we manage to survive for a month in the woods, everybody can get you know like a proficiency bonus or plus one to a survival skill uh you know if someone knows scouting like if chris burlew gets stuck in here with us or ryan who are both scout masters they probably have survival skills they can make traps they can make fire they might know how to track things uh, you know i'd certainly have friends who are big time into hunting both with bow and arrow and with rifle like they know how to track game they know how to look for signs i don't but they do so they probably would be able to you know have some sort of ranger type abilities so I think there's a way that with a little finesse, you can make it so that people aren't just completely desperate and, and just waiting to die without also removing the difficulty aspect of how do we survive in this you know, inhospitable land when we're not really, you know, kitted out for it. And I think that's the fun for me is how do you marry those two things together so that you you learn and change because then you have the hobbits from the shire and lord of the Rings situation where then you get to go back home but you have changed from this experience how do you then resettle back into mundane life where you like watch falcon and the winter soldier and you know you have to run to the post office on monday when you have fought a balrog 
you know, how does that work? Yeah, I was thinking about this a whole lot. And I really want to do this now, maybe like a three to four session mini campaign with my home group. All right. So I was thinking about how would you do skills? And I have to say, I think you have to do this with people that you, I don't, I would never do this with strangers. All right. Because there's some, there comes a certain level of like self-depreciation that you're having to do with this or, and my home group, we all know each other. We're all super good friends. We always give each other a hard time about stuff. We all have that. We've got that social connection and relationship that we've built over the years. So it is okay for me to make fun of one of my players for being like super, super weak and that they would have a strength of like eight. Like, so we could do that. But so I think it would be really fun to do. And the numbers are, you can kind of make that stuff up, but to really kind of almost make caricatures of, ourselves so kind of like you were saying with ryan or chris who are like scout masters like they could do be like a ranger or like think about myself like i'm an engineer so maybe i could be an artificer or something like that or really taking but i was thinking like all of my players in my game my home group are engineers so it would just be a group of artificers running around which may be interesting but so i was thinking almost like the stuff that you are good at or like maybe a little bit good at or like you're a librarian so maybe you're like uh intelligence is all all the way up maxed out but really kind of making a caricature emphasizing the things that you are really good at or kind of twisting them a little bit. i think it would be a lot of fun to do it that way yeah i i'm all for it i mean i absolutely think this would be a great great game and, and maybe again i I've learned my lesson about trying to surprise people because it often doesn't yeah. go well. But again, maybe this could be a catacon thing where you have your regular group and then I show up at the table and like, okay, you're all now sucked into my world. You're yourselves. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, that could be kind of a fun thing, you know, where you actually get to play with your players and I run it or something like that. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. The, I mean, it would, I, I just think this would be super cool because I like having a meta narrative in my game and my players are always cracking like jokes that have nothing to do with the game but kind of do and they're always making cultural references and pop culture stuff but for them to actually do that as themselves in game would be i think that'd be super cool the other thing i was thinking about is motivation for if you're playing this sort of game what is your player's motivation obviously and you guys mentioned this it's getting out of this world okay I mean, I guess maybe uh, maybe you want to stay here, like make a new life for yourself. But I mean, you could be very unhappy, uh, you know, because it is it's a very different situation where like maybe you don't like your job. Maybe you don't like your your current marriage situation. And this is freedom, uh, you know, just being in a situation where life and death is literally on the line every day. It could change your perspective about trying to, like I said, trying to go back to a mundane. Do I want to go back to a nine to five job and, you know, mowing my lawn and getting pissed because Gary won't weed and feed his lawn and his dandelions (laughs) keep blowing on my property if that's a thing you deal with versus, you know what, if I don't hunt and kill something tonight, we are going to starve to death. Yeah. How how do you go back from that? So, I I mean, I, I think the obvious is trying to get home, but depending on the, the narrative that you set up, maybe the reason you got sucked into this world is because you're the only ones that can stop this really bad thing from happening. And so it's like the fate of that world is on your shoulders. So your motivation is to save innocent lives or, or maybe something's going to happen to your world, uh, like an apocalyptic type event. And if you don't do something here, 
everyone you know at home will die. So the motivation isn't to get back home. It's to save your home. But to save your home, you have to stay here or you have to do the thing first. Yeah. So I was definitely so this is what I was thinking is that definitely the motivation is to get home. Okay. But with Dungeons and Dragons, especially, it's I personally, when I play D&D, we're playing a very heroic, epic game. All of my players have a buy-in, and we talk about at Session Zero that really, uh, we're going to try to avoid character death unless you really want to die, all right? Obviously, if you do something stupid, that's on you, all right? But for the most part, I kind of put that in the hands of the players. But I was almost thinking like, hey, let's get rid of that. Let's just run this really hard so that they can die in the game. But here's the thing. Every time they die, they come back almost like a video game. Like you get another life and all of a sudden, boom, you show up again and you're still in this world. But every time you show up, you start to forget a little bit about your past self until eventually you're just somebody who's from this world. So that was an idea. I was kind of like, so it's a motivation to leave, but then to also give them an opportunity to die and kind of change their character try new things out maybe one time you're a warlock next time you're a a fighter but you're still yourself so that was one thing i was thinking i think uh, uh, this is a way that it could go really well it could be it's tons of fun but i think if you don't do it like exactly right it could fall apart which that's probably every game yeah but one way to sort of lean into this and make it fun and possible is allow the players meta knowledge to be useful oh yeah so so they know so it's not that they're transported to a world it's that they're transported into a DD game and they know they're in a DD game so the things like well i know these goblins have four hit points or i know kobolds make traps or i know that there's a lich's phylactery so the fact that they know these things gives them advantage like well i know that we can't go through here because obviously the dm wants us to so i bet if we go around the corner there'll be a secret entrance that gets us right to the cave to the dragon's horde and like yes so like all the things all the tropes from a DD game the fact that they know them that is how they survive because they don't fight the goblins they know how to manipulate the game to survive does that make sense it does and it makes i would love to do that too especially with my group so uh jake is so jake and our ghost of salt marsh game he's also in my home group and jake runs all the D modules for his home group so he goes through all the books it would be i would totally give him free reign to use all that knowledge to like say like oh hey everyone we're gonna go to Waterdeep now because i know that the castle lanterns in Waterdeep have their undead son locked in the attic and we're gonna blackmail the lords of Waterdeep. like i know that that's something he would do and i would totally let that i think that would be super fun to do uh yeah it'd be super cool the one thing also i'm typically for these weird sort of games i don't like to use D D. all right but for this particular sort of meta game i would want to use D D because i think it works really well from a meta perspective like you have a very granular you have great very granular stats and there are a whole lot of tropes that you know as players when you go into the world and i think it would be really fun to play it that way plus with D D, it's it's kind of video gamey and so i think that there would always be this video gamey vibe because you're playing yourself in the game so i would i would totally use D D for this yeah, I, I think it would be fun too, and especially because I have the longest history with D and D. Like, if someone else has a longer history with another game, then that might be the game for them. But for me, definitely, it would be D and D. 
Uh, at this point, I'd like to throw it out to the audience. I'm sure thousands and thousands of people have done this. So if you are listening, if you have played a game as yourself transported into a D&D game or into just a magical fantasy world uh, or, you know, any version, please let us know. Send us an email again to the RPG Academy Gmail or comment on this episode. Let us know what you did. If you're aware of any sort of systems that specifically do this or any methods for here's how you translate a person into D&D stats, you know, while retaining the fun, just share your experiences. I'd love to hear them. Uh, and this may be something we could revisit for like a one shot field trip or something at some point in the future. Yeah. Super cool. All right. So next topic you, you guys talked about was how to deal with cheaters at the table. Okay. So in this particular episode, you all, you both, you and Evan personally said that you really couldn't remember a time up till then that you had dealt with cheaters. But the reason you all were talking about it is because Michael was listening to a podcast. All right. And one of the players in the podcast wasn't with the other players. He was like, uh, like Skyped in at the time. And so, and it was, and they, they, the player, other players on the podcast even kind of cracked jokes that they thought he was cheating. And then, Based on their roles, Michael, you kind you said you didn't know if they were cheating, but it definitely sounded like they rolled a whole lot. Right. It's one of those things where they may not have been cheating, but it felt like they were cheating. I, I remember listening. It's not a podcast I listen to anymore. And at the time, I was kind of into the discourse and I would like go to the message boards and stuff. And like everyone was saying the same thing. Like, you've got to get a camera on this person's roles because it seems like they're cheating. So maybe they're not, but it feels like they are to the point that it's becoming a disruption of the game. Now, I think it's a little bit weird that I said I, I don't remember a time because I do remember two specific times where I think I was dealing with cheaters. Okay. And I know I've talked about them on the show, so maybe I didn't remember then and I bring them up later because I, I know I know that I've talked about Chad in the past. Chad. Uh, Chad. So Chad was Chad was kind of a sad boy. Okay. Okay. This is very typical. It, you know, the stereotypical kind of outcast that doesn't have a lot of social skills. That was Chad. He was a friend of a friend who was in my group in Cleveland. Super nice guy, but just didn't didn't have the social skills uh on the same level with a lot of the people I would normally hang out with. And he had this sort of thing he would do where when we played, we always, we didn't play it around a table. Everybody was always spread out. So Barry, everybody kind of had their own little corner and it was very, very common for him when it's his turn, he would roll the die. He would look down at the number. He would pick the dice up and then he would say blackjack, which was basically 21. So, so he got 21 a lot. I kind of think now, and I, I feel like I've had the same conversations. I know at some point you're going to catch up to this. Okay. That maybe he just wasn't great at the math, and he was, like, embarrassed maybe, and he didn't want to sit there and, like, use his fingers or take a long time. So I think Blackjack was more of a shorthand for, I know I've rolled really well, but I I don't know exactly what I've rolled, and I don't remember all my things, so I'm just going to say Blackjack because I know it's a high number, and it'll get me out of this awkward situation. But I also feel like he did it so often that it couldn't have always been 21. Like, sometimes it should have been 22. Sometimes it should have been 19, but it wasn't. It was blackjack, like, all the time. So I'm pretty sure that Chad was cheating 
for whatever purpose behind it. And I think I remember at the time, or I've given the advice in the time, that cheating doesn't really matter because I'm the DM. If I think they're cheating, I can just change the hit points. Like if, if they're fighting the monster and I'm like, well, that's the third 20 you've rolled in, in a row. Good thing my, my goblin now has 800 hit points. You know, I can, I can always just out cheat you because it's not really cheating when the DM does it. Now my advice would be is who cares? Yeah. Like, like if you're cheating, the only person you're cheating is yourself. And maybe you're having a really bad day and maybe that makes you feel better at the time. I don't think anybody, unless it is so obvious that the entire table like says no, then I don't think you're really affecting anything. Just let them do them. As long as it's not hurting the rest of the table, I don't care. Yeah, it's. I, I kind of agree with you uh, that I've never had it. So as when I've been running games, I've never had it happen to me before where somebody has cheated. I mean, uh, it's the, the type of game I run. We really, we care more about we do story stuff uh we we try we don't get into a whole lot of combat the people i play with don't really care about combat too much so if they fail they really it's not a big deal but yeah i totally agree like if it were to come up it's not worth it's not worth it like you don't know like to call someone out like that that just creates a really bad social situation it's better just just let it go it's if it becomes a if it's a if it's a long lasting problem maybe have a private conversation with them but that's yeah it's it's always tough when you start that's another like it's a role-playing games are inherently a social thing so you're gonna come run into social problems right so i will say this though i have experienced a cheater at a table before where i was playing and this is going way back and I remember this as we were talking is when I first started playing D and D, I didn't know anybody else who played it. I just was starting to go to like different game stores and find games. And so there's a comic book store that was near to my house. Um, and so I went there because they did D and D every Thursday and I got at a table, great GM, but there was somebody who was at the table who was like overtly cheating. And, but the, so it was so awkward for me as a new player because everybody knew each other except me. I didn't know any of these people. Right. And this guy, I guess, was a kind of known for being a cheater. And they were all really, they were, they, they knew the rules. They loved the rules. They loved rolling really high. And they were, uh, it was just super awkward because they like would call him, they called this guy out. And then you got like people, like a couple people were like yelling at him. It's super passive aggressive. Uh, it was very, it was very awkward. And I will say this, I went like one more time and I did not go back. So, yeah. So, and that's, I guess that's part of the thing. Like I said, is if, if the cheat the person who's cheating is affecting the other players, then it is a problem. Yeah. For me as the DM, I don't really care. Cause I can, I can control things behind the table and, and basically I can nullify their cheating for as far as like the monster they're fighting, they don't get to instantly kill it, even though they cheated and said they got a 20 when they didn't or whatever the case may be. I can just change the hit points to keep the, you know, keep the battle the same amount of time as I was going to anyways. But if it's overshadowing the other players because they are always doing the most damage or they don't like, they don't have as much fear because they, they're going to cheat their way out of problems they create. Then I think it does become a problem that needs some sort of a solution. Uh, and, you know, things I've read online is do things like every table has a rule that when you roll the die, you're not allowed to pick it up. If you pick it up before someone else sees it or the DM acknowledges it, you have to roll it again. Uh, dice towers 
you know, maybe you have a dice tower that everyone uses, so you, you roll it and then they, you move it back to the center of the table so that you can't manipulate it, that kind of thing. I, I mean, I guess there are some, like, again, sort of passive-aggressive, like everybody at the table has to roll in the center of the table. Everyone at the table has yeah. to use a dice roller. Everyone at the table, not allowed to change your, you know, move your die until at least one other player has seen it. So that even though you're not necessarily calling that person out, but you're making this blanket rule to affect everybody... I kind of think of that as like a kindergarten solution. Like, yep. like no one's allowed to eat paste, but really it's only Timmy who eats paste. <laughs> and I see things like that now as a parent, and it kind of bothers me a little bit. Like uh, like our kids are in sports and they're in activities, and we'll get this email that says, um, you know, if you haven't you know, signed up for snacks... You need to make sure you do that. And then we're like, we signed up. Don't send us the email that says we need to sign up. We've signed up. Just email the person who hasn't signed up yet. Just go tell them. Just go tell them. them. So now I think that, you know, there is a a part where maybe you need to excise that player. If they're actually ruining the game for other players, then maybe that's a hard conversation you do have to have. The the thing is, it's somewhat by default that the DM is always the person that should have that conversation. I don't know that's the case. Yeah. I mean, it's just that's the way it kind of works. The DM is also the therapist of the group and is also the moderator of the group, but they may not be the one best equipped to have that conversation. But at some point in time, if a player, for any reason, is ruining the game for other players, the conversation needs to be had that maybe that player doesn't get to play anymore. <laughs> and again, yeah. it's it's not a fun conversation to have. No. I've definitely ghosted people before and just stopped inviting them or said, hey, uh, I think we're going to move the game to Thursday. I know you said you can't play Thursdays. Sorry. But then we don't actually change the game to Thursdays. We just stop inviting them. I have done things like that because I don't like to have awkward conversations with people. But sometimes I think you just have to. Yeah, definitely. Uh, biggest piece of advice. Don't do it at the table. Wait till wait till after the game. Unless you all just like decide to just vote that person off the island like <laughs> right away. That would be whew, that'd be a that'd be a story. That would so, be awkward, yeah. Yeah, it would be. So uh yeah, no, that that was that was kind of I never really never really had to do it myself and I fingers crossed that I never have to deal with it. I think the closest that any of my players have ever gotten to cheating, which is they all do this, they very, very tongue in cheek stretch the rules as far as possible. Mm-hmm. Like it is borderline borderline cheating but then they all agree and they all get a quorum that against me and it's just like all right guys whatever you you whatever have at it you right. can this rule now works this way so but i think that's different because everyone's into it that's not yeah. one player making the game less fun no. for other players it's every every player making the game less fun for me okay for you. But so that's, but that's part of the game too yeah, yeah no it's all good but again let's throw that out to the audience if you have had experience with a cheater if you yourself have cheated and would like oh, to talk about yes. why you Turn were doing in. it. And again, I'm not, not trying to justify, but just like what was going on with you at the time that that seemed like something you wanted to do. If you still do it, tell us. I, I think that would be fascinating to hear from someone who has cheated and why they did it. Uh, and did you ever get caught? Uh, yeah. You know, that'd be great Please. stuff. So email us, the RPG Academy at Gmail, or hit us up on, on our socials, or just reply yeah. back to this episode. You know, there's a way to comment on each episode on the website. Love to hear from you. Yeah, we'll do like a, a special like HBO style docu series. We'll like black out your like we'll like dim out all the lights and everything. Give you like that gravelly voice. Nobody yeah. will know it's you. He so. said he yeah. rolled a twenty, but he didn't. Oh, that's so good. Okay, so anyway, that's yeah. That was that was the episode. That was the episode. So it was a it was a fun like episode. You all had a lot of different conversation. It was a 
It's a good one. All right. Well, I'm continuing to have this revisit uh, scenario. As long as you're willing to keep going back and listen to the old episodes, I'm willing to keep having these conversations. I'm really enjoying them. So once again, thank you, Tom, for doing the majority of the work in getting these faculty meetings back on the air, because I think they're some of the best stuff we do on the show. So thank you. For sure. No problem. All right. So any final thoughts before we wrap up today? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, that, that's that's kind of that's kind of all I got. All right. Uh, I will just say, again, we are doing our Twitch follower giveaway. Oh, that's right. We are at 533 Twitch followers as of right now. Once we get to 600, we are giving away a alternate cover to the new Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. And it's basically like a $50 book if you buy it retail and all those alt covers go up some of them right now you can buy them on ebay for three four hundred dollars so this is a prize worth having all you have to do is follow us on twitch that's uh, twitch.tv slash the rpg academy but it's better if you actually use that to come hang out with us we do ghosts of salt marsh a DD 5e game that tom runs every other wednesday i do detention which is our live talk show format the alternating wednesdays on the same Tuesdays as the Tension, we run Shadow Spawns, which is the 13th Age game. And Monday through Friday-ish, it's been really weird with summer. I've been playing old video games. I'm currently, I just started Shining Force from the Sega Genesis 1992. It's a tactical-based strategy game, uh, heavily themed, like, you know, fantasy, medieval, RPG type stuff. Uh, and it's a ton of fun. I have two or three people that hang out with me almost every day. We chat about what they got going on, their D&D prep, movies, TV, that kind of stuff. So uh, I hope you'll come visit us on one of our shows. If you are a subscriber on Twitch, you get double entries. So once we get to 600, if you subscribe, you'll get uh, two chances to be the winner of the book. Uh, other than that, we're Tom, once again, where people can find you and your stuff on the internet. You can follow me at BezcarTom on Twitter. That's Mandalorian Metal Tom on Twitter. And you can find me at the RPG Academy. So until next time, remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thanks. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time.
The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.